0: Good morning. As you saw in that video, it's a beautiful thing when an orchestra is playing in unison, each part taking care of what they are called and created to do. Melody, working with harmony, creating something that none of those individual parts could do alone. Those parts that you see or you saw in the video are what Andy talked about last week. These are the parts that are more public, that are more visible to everyone, the support gifts like apostleship or prophecy, evangelism, pastoring or teaching. And often we focus on these gifts because of their visibility. But what if none of the things you saw on the screen had been set up? No seats for the musicians, no music stands, no lights, no platform for the conductor, no backdrop. Somehow all of those things just kind of ended up in place so that those guys could play that beautiful music. But it's more than that, too. What about what if there were no people there to take tickets or ushers to help seat people? What about those guys who provide food and drink? There are far more people who are serving behind the scenes than there are visible people who are playing to the crowd. This morning, we're going to focus more on this group, the servants who are often behind the scenes. These Gifts are most commonly known as administration, which doesn't mean what you think it means. Exhortation, faith, giving, helps or serving, and showing mercy. And I'm going to leave the in-depth study of each of those uh, gifts to our GROW groups or to your individual study. If you go to the GROW, if you go to the arborpoint.org website, you're going to find the resources there that will help you with those studies. But I do want to look... At an overview of what this is all about. So our primary passage this morning includes the passage we started our service with, Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Paul issues a call to commitment in verses 1, coupled with a caution in verses 2 and 3. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, we're seeking this spiritual life. We're calling it the journey here, this journey to discipleship. And on this journey to the spiritual life, we have to become or remain aware of two dangers, dangers that can cripple us on our journey. The first danger is the world. And the second is the self. With regard to the world, Paul warns us, he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. Don't be conformed. The world's going to try and pull us towards it and pull us away from our faith journey, away from God. But we're not to conform to the ways of the world. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But the world is a danger to us because we're human beings. To prevent the pressure of the world from squeezing us into its mold, we must be transformed. Our minds must be renewed And one result of the renewed mind is that we will not have too high an opinion of ourselves or too low of an opinion of ourselves. And that helps us with that second danger, which is not to be conceited. Don't be conceited. You have a place. And each of us has a place, and no place is is higher than, than another in the body of Christ. You see, there is both a humility and a dignity that comes from being a member of Christ's body. Verse 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. See since there is such a variation among us within the body and such a dependence on each other, Paul then directs us to develop and use our gifts to fully live out the calling of the church within each congregation and within the whole of the body universal around us. See, each of us living out our gifts in the context of Arbor Point Church is one aspect of living out our gifts. But Arbor Point Church is is part of the big C church all around the world. And as we live our gifts out here, Arbor Point lives out its gifts in the larger church. We're part of something greater, this body of Christ. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragements. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Each of us has a place in the body. Hope you're hearing that. The church is at its best when we all fulfill our calling. This past weekend, I got to serve at Phillips State Prison on a Kairos men's retreat. And the first two days at the table were a bit of a struggle. See, trust is not easily established or experienced in the prison setting. The men don't trust each other. Rightfully so. People take advantage of one another. But by Saturday, there was more engagement and discussion among the men at the table. And Sunday morning, before we got started... One of the men at the table apparently had heard that we had to wait for up to an hour to get through the sally port, get through the gate. And that we were arriving around 6 a.m. so that we could be sure and get in and get started by 7.30 or so. And he looked at me and he asked, he said, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you guys do that? And I told him, I said, because you're worth it and God loves you. And he didn't know what to do with that. He mumbled something about never having thought of himself that way, as being worth it. See, by embracing our gifts, we'll find ourselves able to have an impact in the lives we come in contact with. I am an encourager and an exhorter. Those are two of my gifts. And those... Gifts were helpful in each of the situations I found myself in, because there's a lot of questions among inmates and residents at Phillips State Prison. And that's cool. I'm glad that I was able to be there and be a part of that and use my gifts, but the beauty of the weekend was that I was not there alone and that there were around 40 guys from the outside and 40 residents or inmates from the inside who all served on this Kairos team. And then there were 40-plus guys who were on the weekend, on the walk. And the power comes when each of us brings ourselves to the weekend. There was not a resident or inmate there who didn't have someone who could relate to them in a tangible way. And that only happens when we live into our gifts and share them with others. See, when we do, the Holy Spirit makes incredible things happen. Incredible things. So let me briefly touch on an overview of each of these six gifts for today. The first is administration. Now, we tend to think of that as paperwork, but that's not what the gift of administration is about. The gift of administration is about those folks who have vision. Visionary people have the gift of administration. The Greek word for administration means to lead. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, the Greek word means helmsman or the one who steers the ship. And this role of administration, sometimes it's visible, sometimes it's not. The second is exhortation. That means to call alongside with the intent of helping. The person with this gift encourages others and has the ability to drive home specific truths of Scripture. But do it in such a way that it motivates application to our lives. This is a person who can tell you the truth about yourself, but does it with a comforting arm around your shoulder. The third is faith. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists faith as a spiritual gift. Now, each of us in this place has, has, is to be a person of faith and has faith. But there are some who have a unique ability to trust God, even in the midst of overwhelming circumstances. They live their lives on the cutting edge of faith. They do it with such a daring trust that their lives would not make sense if God didn't exist. Charles Swindoll calls these Hebrews 11 people, living monuments of faith. They don't make sense to to the world, but they can be a source of encouragement to the church and to us. Think Stephen, the first apostle, the the first disciple who was killed. Mm -hmm. Now, each of those can be flashy, but they're also behind-the-scenes gifts. And I want to touch on three others that are usually unseen or behind the scenes. The first is giving. This is the ability to be sensitive to and to provide for the needs of the saints, the needs of the church with joy and generosity. In his letters to the Romans, Paul exhorted the one with this gift to exercise it with liberality, right? See, each of us are encouraged and expected to give it's a spiritual discipline the same way that prayer is same way that study is giving is a spiritual discipline in, in that same way it's for us and it helps us and softens our heart but the person with the gift of giving has a special god-given capacity to give it's an inner drive it's a longing to provide for the needs of the saints giving's an intimate expression of worship just like prayer is now, one of the dangers of this is that it can sometimes focus on us instead of God. So we have to guard against that by making sure that our giving is a private act, an intimate act, and not a public one. It's one of the reasons why one of the first things we did when I got here was password protect the finance information. The people who, who see what is given are those who count. There's four, there's four of us that, that are in this role. I'm not a counter, but the ones who count, the finance treasurer, finance secretary, finance chair, and and I have access to the finance records. That's it. Password protected other than that. It's important to make sure that our giving is kept private. The other gift is helping. Or serving. This comes from the Greek word diakonos, which is translated deacon. It means to care for or to wait upon. This gift is one that many of our behind the scenes people have. Servanthood, on the whole, doesn't come particularly naturally to us. We tend in our world to want to be served, not to do the serving. But our model is the one who took the towel and wrapped it around his waist to wash the feet of the disciples as an illustration of what being a follower of Jesus Christ would look like and how different that was from the world where the goal tends to be, I'm going to get mine, right? I'm going to get my stuff. That's not what followers of Jesus Christ are focused on. We're focused on making a difference in the world. And the last thing I want to talk about this morning is showing mercy. The word mercy means pity or compassion. It's the ability to empathize with the needs Pain, heartache, disappointment, sorrow, difficulties of others. And more than that, to be an agent of healing and restoration in the midst of that. People with this gift have the unique quality of emotionally identifying with the one in need. The best example in scripture probably is uh, the Good Samaritan story out of Luke chapter 10. In that passage, there was a man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, and they threw him in the ditch, and leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So did a Levite. But a Samaritan came upon him, and when he saw him, he went to him, and he took him to the inn. He bandaged his wounds. He put him up at the inn and told the innkeeper that, I'm going to be back through. If there's anything else that needs to happen, take care of it. And Jesus was talking to an expert in the law, and he said, which of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. See, in this classic parable, the Samaritan was the enemy of the Jew, yet was the only person who stopped to help out. His gift of mercy overcame the prejudices of his time, and he helped the man to recover. And you will find that with your giftedness. When we utilize our spiritual gifts, we'll find ourselves less concerned with what we get out of it than what others get out of it. Last week in our grow group on Sunday night, we discussed the differences between physical talents, those things we're born with, and spiritual gifts. One of the things that we talked about was that when we access and share our spiritual gifts, we find ourselves energized because it's the Holy Spirit acting through us it's not that we don't get tired sometimes from doing a lot, but in that moment we find energy. We're not drained. Imagine a church where the entire congregation, as many as possible, were energized by their service and not drained by it. I long for this to be that kind of place. And it will be if we're willing to not just identify our spiritual gifts, but to live into them and let God do amazing works through us. Amen.